looking in John chapter 11 this morning. If you'd like to turn there or you can follow along on the screens as I read. John chapter 11 and verse 21, a message I call Treasure Buried or Treasure Resurrected. John chapter 11, verse 21. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And may God bless the reading of his word is my prayer this morning. We have before us today a funeral scene, one with which we are all together too familiar. Uh, We know it all too well. Parents, grandparents, siblings, children, friends, even those we've admired perhaps from afar. We've seen them live, we've watched them die, we've buried them. They live out then what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 5, because man goeth to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. That's the grave. We feel the pain then in Martha's accusation to Jesus. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. They'd seen so many miracles, so many healings, so many people delivered, so many demons cast out. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that had Jesus showed up, as they'd asked, four days before, their brother would still be alive. We feel her pain. Jesus was too late. You see, life, our life, our own and, and the lives of others that we love, those, that's our greatest treasure. And therefore, when we, we take that treasure, or when others even may someday take ours, when that treasure is, is gone, life is past, and we stare into that dark abyss of the grave is it just buried or is there a resurrection well I think you know this morning those of you familiar with the story and certainly because it's Easter and Resurrection Sunday you know where we're going to go with this Uh, but I couldn't help but think of a few years ago 20 years ago in exact when James Cameron's movie the Titanic uh, swept across America. It was one of the popular, most popular movies uh, in America. The movie unfolded the story of the search for a fabulous, uh, priceless blue da- diamond known as the heart of the ocean. It was supposedly still, they thought, in the wreckage of the Titanic. Those of you who are familiar with the movie uh, know that uh, uh, the star of the show, a young lady was saved from the wreckage who called herself Rose Dawson, was actually the one who had the diamond all along. And the story then unfolded as this now old Rose was basically recalling her memories of that fateful trip and all that had happened there and 
movie ended with Rose then going out and dropping the diamond overboard. Going back to her stateroom, we don't know whether she was asleep or dead. The movie panned out then all of the scenes that she had around her. You see, the story was she had dropped a priceless diamond overboard. But when she began, you see, she was saying, why have you brought so much luggage? And these were all the treasures of her life, the pictures of the scenes of her life. And as she lay there either sleeping or dead, we don't know, but the movie panned over and showed all of those scenes from her life. Dropped the diamond overboard. Kept the pictures, the scenes from her life. You see, life is our greatest treasure. It reminds us of what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke when he said that man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. It is our life itself, not our possessions, that is our greatest treasure. Buried then, or resurrected. Our passage this morning is going to deal with the resurrection of Lazarus. This is the last of seven miracles that John records in the gospel narrative. He called them signs. These signs, you see, were to prove indisputably, incontrovertibly, that Jesus was in fact the Son of God. He did things that no mere mortal man could do. From the turning of water uh, into wine, to the walking on the water, uh, to raising the dead. All through these magnificent scenes, John showed us over and over and over again, leading up, of course, to that culminating miracle of all, the one we celebrate today, the resurrection of Jesus himself from the dead when he conquered the grave. Now, the point that Jesus gets to in this whole scene in the resurrection of Lazarus is in verse 25 of our text when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now we might ask this morning, which one of those statements is true? And the answer, of course, is both. (laughs) Both. There are some, you see, who will believe in him who may die. (laughs) But if they die, they're going to live. And thank God there's some who believe in him who will never, ever die. I want to be in that crowd. How about you? Huh? I want to go out with a shout. I want to be one of the ones that hears the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And before I even know what's happened, I'll be in glory. I paid good money for a, for a burial insurance policy. I hope that the people just get it and enjoy it. Actually, I don't hope they enjoy it because I hope they go out too. Uh, nonetheless, um, some will may die, he said, but they'll live and and some will never die. That is the magnificent truth of Jesus Christ. If life then is our greatest treasure, then what happens when that life is gone? Well, this passage, I think, gives it uh, to us in a way that we can identify with. You see, Jesus was a sinless Son of God, and we can see Him buried, rising from the dead in all of His glory and ascending up into heaven 
But what about just an average old fellow like you and I? Well, that's where the story of Lazarus comes in. Lazarus was a good man, but he was just an ordinary guy. Saved by Jesus Christ. Lived, died, buried, resurrected. Let's see what this means to us. First of all, of course, we see the reality of itself. Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 4, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. I'm, uh, Lazarus is dead. Very plain, very simple. Death has been called the great equalizer. Doesn't matter how good you were, how beautiful or handsome you were, how educated you were, how wealthy you were, how fit you were, or anything else. All those accomplishments, as we call them, mean nothing because that accomplished person is just as dead as that person who may have never had anything that we call accomplishment. No one is deader. No one is the deadest. Death is the great equalizer. I mention this because in life we're so prone to compare ourselves with others and, and uh, those who uh, achieve some measure of success might be inclined to look at others and say, well, you know, I'm far better off than that person is. And we can do all that in life. But listen, there are no degrees in death. Death is the great equalizer. All those things of our accomplishments fade into the background. Lazarus was dead. He'd been dead for four days. He was just as dead as if he'd have been dead for four years. Corruption might not have had as much of a, a time to work on him, but he was dead. That is the simple fact of death. I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. I don't want to depress you anymore. It's just the way it is. Dead is dead. The reality of death. But then there's the solution for death. And when he had said these things, a little later in the passage, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, them loose him and let him go. Lazarus, come forth. And he did. Now Jesus' purpose went beyond raising Lazarus from the dead because twice in the passage he will say that I'm doing this so that you might believe. You see, he was looking beyond just what was happening with Lazarus. He wanted everybody to understand that he had the power over death even before he went to the cross. What are we going to do then? How is he going to go about this task of raising him from the dead? Well, you know, maybe he would have responded to education. Maybe we could have brought in a bunch of great teachers, some of the most renowned professors from all over the world and just surrounded him and let him start teaching him. All of the great disciplines, mathematics, science, uh, even maybe uh, send him to law school, bring in some lawyers, you know, let them let pass on. Maybe some doctors who'd bring him into medical school. We're going to educate him. Is that going to help him? Education has no solution for death. Maybe he needs a good example. 
Let's bring in some two and three year olds, maybe some four and five year olds. Let's get really wild and bring in some second and third graders. Amen. I mean, just let them run circles all around him and show him, Lazarus, this is how you do it. Look at how excited they are. Look at how full of life they are. Well, just follow their example. Come on. Want a good example helping? Not a bit. Not a bit. Well, you can't expect a fellow to get any better leaving him in the graveyard like that. Let's get him out of that place. He's surrounded by dead people. Let's move him uptown. Let's prop him up beside a duke box somewhere. Let's see if we can change his environment and make him better. Surely, if we get him out of the graveyard, he'll be uh, something. Oh, he'll still be dead. Change his environment does not help a dead person. How do you raise the dead? You see, I bring this up today because so much of what is done in our world today, so much of how the world looks at improving a person or dealing with the problems of humanity are wrapped up in education and environment. Setting them up a good example. And that would all be okay. It would be fine if man's basic problem was that he was bad. If his basic problem is that he's bad, then we just need to make him good. But I want you to know this morning that the Bible does not say that man's problem is that they're fundamentally bad. Now, a lot of people think just the opposite, that people are fundamentally good, that there's a flame of goodness burning inside of all of us, and if we can just fan that flame through education, through environment, through example, then that flame of goodness that lives inside of them can just burn brighter and they'll become a better person. But as the Bible does not teach us that man's problem is that he's basically bad, so the Bible does not teach us that man is basically good. The Bible teaches us that mankind without God is dead. Dead in their trespasses and sins. Where is that at? Well, it's right here in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm glad you asked me. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you have been made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 then tells us the solution. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, if you're dead, what you need is regeneration and resurrection. And that is exactly what Ephesians chapter 2 tells us happens when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. The problem is spiritual death and only a spiritual resurrection will do. So Lazarus was dead, really dead. He was not only merely dead, he was really most sincerely dead. He needed a resurrection. And that's what he got. But though he was really dead and then though he was truly resurrected, notice then he was still bound. Verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus come forth, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes in his face. 
wrapped up with napkins. Think about a mummy and you won't be far off. But unlike the mummy in the movies, which were, of course, just made for the movies, they actually wrapped them up with their legs together and their feet together. So Lazarus did not walk out of the tomb. He hopped. Maybe rolled around a while. I tell you, I hope God's got it on video. I want to see it. When Lazarus came out, he came out. The Bible says bound head to toe, even his face wrapped in a napkin. He was alive, but he couldn't walk. He was alive, but he couldn't talk. He was alive, but he couldn't see. He was alive, but he couldn't hear well. He couldn't do anything with his hands. They were all wrapped up. He couldn't go anywhere. It was all bound up. And Jesus did not sit there and say, Lazarus, get out of that stuff. Listen, God doesn't call us to be spiritual. Houdini's here. He said to those that standing around him, loose him and let him go. What was he bound up in? The grave clothes. They were fitted for death and they were fine for death. They smelled of death. They smelled of the tomb. And it's a picture of what happens when a person is saved from their spiritual deadness and resurrected by the power of Jesus Christ. And yet all of us could give a testimony to the fact that once we were saved, we still had to struggle with the grave clothes. And the longer we spent being spiritually dead, the worse the grave clothes are and the harder they are to get rid of. That's why Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Listen, if your testimony is like mine, that you were going to church nine months before you were born, I was saved as far as I know the first time that I ever got under conviction and realized that I needed to be saved. I was seven years old. I have to my shame, I say, I've done a whole lot more things wrong since I was saved than I ever did before I was saved. But if that's your testimony, thank God for it. Because the longer you wait, the more, uh, the further you go along in life, the more time you spend away from God in spiritual deadness, the more bondage that you pick up from the world. But I've got good news for you. The same Jesus that gives us life gives us liberty. He did not intend for us to live our lives for the rest of our life just alive and hopping along through the world. Not able to serve. Not able to walk right. Not able to talk right. Not able to see right or hear right. Loose him, he said, and let him go. What a great picture, by the way, of the work of the church. We might kind of wonder, and so many people do, they're so puzzled about what it is that the church actually does and why the church is here. We are the people that Jesus calls on to take that that newborn child of God, that person that's just been regenerated, that person that though they are spiritually alive, they're still bound up in the bondage of of their old life. It is our job to help you get out of that, to help unwrap you from the things that have chained you and held you away from what God intends for you to be. You see, it's, uh, so many people think that the church is just about making you feel good. 
and, and a place where you can go and enjoy it. And it, it, if you enjoy it and if you don't have anything better to do, then church is a good place to go. But what you don't realize is that when you don't surround yourself with God's people, when you don't put yourself under regular Bible study, if you're not around where the Word of God is being preached and taught, then you're going to hop your way through the rest of your life still bound by the old lifestyle, the old habits, the old addictions. What we do here Sunday after Sunday, week after week after week, is exactly what Jesus said. Loose them and let them go. It was never God's plan for us to spend our lives hopping around that way not able to understand His truth because their ears are covered, not able to see His truth because their eyes are full of too many bad things. The heart that's full of the world so it doesn't have room for the things of God, loose Him and let Him go. So Lazarus was dead. I mean, he was really dead. He was raised from the dead. He was truly and, and sincerely raised from the dead. Uh, he was untangled. Because he was still bound, and so they loosed him and let him go. But that's not the end of the story. It's one more thing. His fellowship with Jesus. John chapter 12 and verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with Jesus. Remember what the psalmist David said when he says, Thou preparest a table for me. You see, one of the great things about being a child of the king is the fact that we get to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a magnificent picture that this is. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would open unto me, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. See, God doesn't invite us to a funeral. The Christian life's not a, a, a lifelong funeral. God invites us to a feast. We're able to fellowship with Jesus Christ as He sets an incredible table of blessing before us and we get to experience those blessings and share with Him in this life and even more to come. Every Christian in this building today should give testimony to the fact that no matter what I have given to Jesus Christ over the course of my life, He gave more to me. And no matter how much I've done for Him, He's done more for me. He sets a magnificent table of blessing for us. And we get to fellowship then with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not all. Verse 10, John chapter 12. But the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Now don't you know that worried Lazarus? <laughs> We're going to kill you. Oh, oh all right. We're going to kill you dead. All right. <laughs> Been there. Done that. Uh, no wonder the Bible says that death has no power over us. It's hmm? no wonder. Because Jesus Christ took the sting of death for us. But here was Lazarus. And you'd think that he'd have been the most popular person on the planet. I bet Oprah Winfrey would even put, her, put him on her show. But here were the chief priests who were trying to kill him. Let me, we need to put this down in our program, brother and sister in Christ. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins. I mean really dead. In 
Jesus Christ gloriously saved us. He gave us life. He resurrected us. And he's seen to it that he gave us life. He's also given us liberty. Let's understand that the more liberty that we enjoy to be what Jesus Christ wants us to be, the more hated we'll be in the world. You see, Lazarus, by coming alive and and by being testified and devoted and living for, then the Lord Jesus Christ was a powerful testimony for Jesus and a powerful opponent for the enemy. He was a target. And they set out to kill him. But you know what? I'd rather be hated by the world and have sweet fellowship with Jesus than to have fellowship with the world and be alienated from Jesus Christ. Adrian Rogers told a story. It was ultimately made into a southern gospel song, so some of you might recognize it from the southern gospel song, but before it was a song, it was a sermon. He said, just use your imagination as he tells a story, a fable, of the man who was... Uh, called, uh, it was paralyzed, quadriplegic. Um, he was in a bed and four of his friends were going to carry him to see Jesus. But he said, just imagine, this guy, you know, is arguing about it. He said, I, I, I just don't think it, that Jesus can help me. But there's old Eli over there and Eli tells him, now, now listen, you know, I was deaf. I couldn't hear, but Jesus healed me, and now I can hear just fine. And the paralytic man, he'd say, but you know, I'm paralyzed all over. That's just your ears. I understand Jesus could help you, but he can't help me. And one of those four friends, and you know, his name maybe was John, and he said, well, you know, I was blind. You you know I was blind, but, but you know, Jesus healed me, and now I can see. And the paralyzed man said, but yeah, John, you know, you can see. You, You were just blind. I'm paralyzed all over. I can see how Jesus could help you, but he can't help me. There's another guy said, you know, his name was James. He said, my name, you know me, I'm James. And I had leprosy. And it was bad. I knew I was going to die. And Jesus healed me. You know he did. Well, and you know, the paralyzed man said, well, you know, that's a really nice testimony. But you've got to understand, I'm worse than you are. I'm paralyzed from the neck down. I, I can't move. There's no help from me. The fourth man said, My name's Lazarus. My name's Lazarus. End of story. What are you struggling with this morning? Let me introduce you to the man named Lazarus. Not because Lazarus is all that special. Remember, Lazarus is just an ordinary guy. What makes Lazarus different is what Jesus Christ did for him. And the same Jesus that did this for Lazarus has done this for me. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. But I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, He made me alive in Him. He raised me up. And though I'm standing here in Cabot, this Bible says that I am also seated at the right hand of the Father. I am as certain for heaven as if I was already there. Because in Jesus Christ, I am. He's my anchor. And that anchor holds.
I don't know what your status is this morning. Maybe you're spiritually dead. You need Jesus Christ in your life. He's free for the asking. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Maybe this morning you know that you need to follow him in baptism. You need to, you need a church home. You need to be in church. And the reason for that is that though you know you're absolutely certain you've received Christ as your Savior, you're also absolutely certain that you're still bound up, still in bondage, still struggling to get out of the grave clothes. You need to be in a place where they can help you experience that liberty in Jesus Christ. We want to loose you and let you go today. To know what's on your heart. Let's stand together, please. Our choir is going to sing an invitation hymn. I'll be up here. If you need to come forward and talk to me, I'd love to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Maybe you need to join this church. No better Sunday than to do it today. Maybe you need to follow the Lord in baptism. I don't know what's on your heart. But as we sing, you respond.
Amen. Amen. Amen.